to the Scriptures Real Podcast. This is the podcast where we talk about elements of the scriptures that have become real to us, and this is part of our special Holy Week episode, uh, or episodes. I'm your host, Carrie Mielstein, and... I'm Julianne Mielstein. My lovely and talented co-host. And today we're doing Holy Thursday, or often called Maundy Thursday. We'll explain why it's called Maundy Thursday in just a minute, but uh, this is traditionally when people celebrate... Uh, or commemorate the Passover, or the yeah, the, the Passover, the Last Supper, uh, which is celebrate when when they observe the Passover meal, and uh, the teachings that were given at the Last Supper, and then the trial before the Sanhedrin and uh, the the suffering in Gethsemane. Uh, we covered some of those things last night, so tonight we'll focus on uh, really the uh, suffering in Gethsemane and the trial uh, with the Sanhedrin. It is called Maundy Thursday, Maundy, which comes, you can hear the word like mand in there for commandment and so on. It's it's uh, about commandments, and that comes from when the Savior says that he gives them a new commandment, that they love one another as he has loved them. And uh, so that's, uh, that's traditional name is Maundy Thursday, but we, we talked about those teachings last night, so for yesterday. Uh, so today, we're going to talk about Gethsemane and uh, that trial, and, and Gethsemane is actually... Uh, in some ways, a really difficult topic to talk about because I don't think that we, at least I know I personally never feel like I can do it justice. Um, I've had ways of, of thinking about this where I look at all the different things that Christ has suffered and um, all the the um, different reasons he says he suffered. So, you know, his long suffering, his loving kindness towards the children of men and for his people, and that he's borne our, our sorrows and, and carried our griefs and uh, all of our infirmities and those things. And all of those are very, very meaningful to me. But uh, even with all of that, I, I, I never feel like I'm doing it justice. I never feel like I'm saying everything that, uh, that is in my heart, and I know that my heart doesn't feel as much as I would I ideally like to feel. But maybe uh, today, one of the things I'll talk about is just something I've been thinking about a, a bit lately. And this is Mosiah chapter 3, verse 7, where uh, the um, King Benjamin is relating things he's learned from the angel and so on about Christ. And he sa says, describing what Christ will suffer, and lo, he shall suffer temptations and pain of body, hunger, thirst, and fatigue. Most of those are not things that we usually think of as part of uh, suffering in Gethsemane. We think of suffering for our sins uh, and maybe suffering for temptations. But this is like the pains that you have because uh, that you were wounded or you, you have cancer or whatever and hunger and thirst and fatigue. And then uh, listen to this part. Even more than man can suffer, except it be unto death. For behold, blood cometh from every pore, so great shall be his anguish for the wickedness and the abominations of his people. That that part, more than man can suffer except to be unto death. If I understand that correctly, I, what I think it's saying is that there is a point of suffering at which our bodies will shut down. We will die, our, our brains will shut down, whatever it has to do. We cannot go beyond that point of suffering. But Christ, because he loves us, uh, and because he had the ability to choose to not die, didn't die at the point where his body, his 
mortal body could take no more. He still chose not to die. And he suffered more and more and more so that we could both be succored by him and be saved by him. Uh, and, and again, there's so many things we could talk about, and it's not the, the purpose of these um, little episodes to go into all of that in depth. We'll do that when we get to the, these passages in Come Follow Me. But maybe I'll just read one more thing that has really been uh, striking me lately. Um, this is from uh, a book by Chiko and Okazaki uh, called Lighten Up. And we're going to read starting from page 175, where she says, we know that on some level, Jesus experienced the totality of mortal existence in Gethsemane. It's our, <clears throat> it's our faith that he experienced everything, absolutely everything. Sometimes we don't think through the implications of that belief. We talk in great generalities about the sins of all humankind, about the suffering of the entire human family. But we don't experience pain in generalities. We experience it individually. That means Jesus knows what it felt like when your mother died of cancer how it was for your mother, how it still is for you. He knows what it felt like to lose the student body election. He knows that moment when the brakes locked and the car started to skid. He experienced the slave ships sailing from Ghana toward Virginia. He experienced the gas chambers at Dachau. He experienced napalm in Vietnam. He knows about drug addiction and alcoholism. There is nothing you have experienced as a woman that he does not also know and recognize. On a profound level, he understands about pregnancy and giving birth. He knows about PMS and cramps and the menopause. He understands about rape and infertility and abortion. His last recorded words to his disciples were, and lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. What does that mean? It means he understands your mother pain when your five-year-old leaves for kindergarten, when a bully picks on your fifth grader, when your daughter calls to say that the new baby has Down syndrome. He knows your mother rage when a trusted babysitter sexually abuses your two-year-old, when someone gives your 13-year-old drugs, when someone seduces your 17-year-old. He knows all that. He's been there. He's been lower than all that. Uh, for me, that just really sums up something that's worth thinking about, that, that the Savior suffered so much more than we can possibly understand. Uh, and... I, I know I personally feel like I'm like it's not possible. My heart is not big enough to be as grateful as I should be. And yet I am so grateful. Uh, and I, I can't fully understand and appreciate what he has done, but I know he did it. Uh, and that Gethsemane, when his apostles fell asleep and when he was strengthened by an angel, and sometimes I like to wonder what angel would come. Was it Joseph? Uh, was it uh, Michael? Was it uh, John the Baptist? I don't know who it was, uh, but I'm grateful someone came to strengthen the Savior. And my guess is that we as, as legions of angels watched in absolute awe and adoration and gratitude for what the Savior was doing for us in those moments. And then from there, he's betrayed by one whom he trusts and taken captive uh, to stand trial before the Sanhedrin. And I think Julianne's going to talk about that. And maybe before I do, I'll just add my testimony also. I feel the longer I've been here on this earth and more I've experienced that, that sorrow and the trials of myself, but also my, my loved ones and 
those really tough experiences, the more, even though I don't comprehend the atonement, the more I am grateful for that power and that, that I can know that that power is there in those really tough, darkest times that uh, we each experience in our own different ways that are different from the Savior, but yet in all those different um, experiences that we have, that we can know that our Savior has been there and that he um, understands us when we feel so alone that no one else can understand, he understands and uh, and has a way, way that we can hold on to hope. When, when there seems that there is none, we can know because of our savior, there is. Uh, and talking about the betrayal, we see, we've seen that preparation that has happened to betray Christ. And Judas comes and with, I think something that it seems as heartbreaking as possible to be able to be, to choose to betray the savior with a kiss that Judas designates who the savior is with, with something so tender as uh, approaching the savior with a kiss that not just anyone could do. It need to be someone close to him. Uh, and, and Christ sees this for what it is. And I, and I imagine that's another deep wound for him to be so utterly betrayed with such tenderness. Um, and then we have this experience. We have this, this big multitude is described in the, the scriptures that comes to arrest the savior at night so that the crowds who are loyal to him won't riot. They come in the night and they come with swords and staves against the savior and his apostles are upset by this. And in fact, Peter draws his sword and, and cuts off the ear of one of these soldiers. And Christ remarks to him, I mean, really, I have the power that if I wanted to call down legions to take out this small little army, I certainly could, Peter. <laughs> and, uh, and so he reminds Peter there. But yet Peter, his heart and soul is there with the Savior, just like we've seen his desire to be with him so many times. And so the Savior is brought before Caiaphas and just those who are also against the Savior, the scribes and the, the Pharisees and the members of the Sanhedrin. And it's probably mostly Sadducees. They may, there may or may not have been uh, many Pharisees there. And you see all of the uh, disciples that are with him, they flee. They all feel the danger, not only for Christ himself, but also for themselves. And they all flee. And we have Peter, who ends up coming back around and sticking around. And he comes in and... Well, John... Um... John is able to go. He knows somebody. He, he knows a guy. So he gets <laughs> into the um, the trial because he of who he knows. And Peter is not allowed in because he doesn't know a guy. Well, and, and no one recognizes him initially for who he is either. Right. And so he's amongst the, the crowd that's waiting outside. And so you have this experience with Peter 
and if you'll remember this whole situation that Christ has has told him that there will that soon he will deny Christ three times before the cock crows. So here Peter is in this situation where he understands the danger. And we see Peter's character continue to play out here. We saw that when he, when the Savior was walking on the water, he wanted out of the boat and went and walk with the Savior. And when the, when the Savior is around, he wants to be with the Savior. And again, when the Savior was in danger, Peter went to cut off the soldier's ear to try and protect him. And after this, we also see when the Savior comes again and the Savior's on the shore and Peter cannot wait for the boat to get to his Savior. He jumps overboard and swims. There's lots of different instances that we could talk about, but this is what uh, Peter is like in how he feels about his Savior, about how he wants to be with him and he's all in. And if we're looking at that consistency in his character, at this point, we can think about the fact that, again, Peter really wants to be with the Savior. But if those who are there recognize him for who he is, he might be removed and taken away because only those who are against the Savior are here in this crowd. And so he uh, possibly this is the kind of thoughts that he's going through his mind in order to stay near the savior that he denies the savior three times. And he recognizes that when the cock crows and um, feels that immense sorrow for this being fulfilled. Yeah. Uh, and, and at the same time, I think that probably uh, this is part of what Christ had to go through is to have even his most staunch um, supporter deny him uh, as he's, betrayed by one who loves him as he's falsely accused as they uh, mock him about that. He couldn't tell who they are. Of course they could um, as he's eventually condemned for blasphemy when he's the one person who can't actually commit blasphemy. Um, and then his staunchest supporter uh, denies him. I think is all a part of, of uh, what the savior suffers. In fact, I would suggest that the atoning sacrifice of Christ takes place not just at Gethsemane, as we often think, and not even just at Gethsemane on the cross, but the whole experience mm -hmm. from probably from Judas leaving until he dies is part of what he goes through uh, in order to fully uh, suffer and understand and know and redeem. Uh, all that loneliness, all that betrayal, all the suffering, all the pain, all the yeah. The extreme situation in a whole, as it is just laid out on those, that um, short time, but also terrifyingly long time. And we don't want to go too long on these, but I've just had another thought that maybe I would show. I, I find this uh, really interesting when the Savior is, uh, well, in, in Isaiah chapter 52, the Lord is talking both about his servant Israel and the Savior. Um, but we're going to talk about um, us and the Savior. In chapter 52, verse 3, the, uh, we have Isaiah saying, For thus saith the Lord, ye have sold yourselves for naught, and ye shall be redeemed without money. Uh, and the idea is that Israel, I mean, recently then, Israel had uh, 
for example, Ahaz had given up. Uh, uh, he, he had made a deal with Assyria to prevent them from coming into captivity to Syria and, and uh, Israel. And instead, they come into captivity to Assyria, right? So they were trying to get something. And instead, what they got is exactly what they didn't want. And every time we sin, that's exactly what we do. Typically, we're sinning because we want to meet some need or avoid some pain or, or fix something. And we try and go about it in a way that doesn't work. And in fact, what it always does is it brings more pain and suffering. Every time we sin, though, it's, it's usually trying to avoid some kind of pain, the pain of not having our needs filled, the pain of, of whatever, right? You choose some kind of pain. That's what you're trying to fix when you're sinning. And we, we sin trying to avoid pain, but instead we bring pain upon ourselves. And then interestingly, he says, and you're redeemed without money, because that's not what you got. When you sold yourself, you didn't get money. You got pain. So what are you going to be redeemed for or with? Pain and suffering. Our pain and suffering is ended by Christ paying the price of pain and suffering. Um, and uh, that's what happened in Gethsemane. We are redeemed by Christ's pain and suffering. We're redeemed by our healing comes from his stripes and the chastisement of our peace uh, is upon him. Right. We have the peace because he took the pain and suffering to give us what it was we were always trying to get when we were sinning. We were just going about it the wrong way. I'm so grateful for that. And I testify that it happened in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen.